Uh, good morning, everybody. Good. We had God's judgment, and now we have money. Uh, that's probably why there's a lot of people away today, not because of the bank holiday, because they were like, oh, can't take any more of this. Somebody challenging my lifestyle, money. Ah. Uh, have you ever seen the TV show, The Repair Shop? Right. I know it's that's showing my age, because it's like kind of like a more of an old people's, no offense, Barbara, it's more of like an older, you were the only person that said yes. Uh, but I like that show, and it's whenever people bring in like something, a prized possession that's old and, and need repaired, and then these experts like fix it up and make it like new. And sometimes me and Haley ask ourselves, like, what would you bring on? And I have this old, it's an old bag that belonged to my dad. It's an old World War II ammo bag, and he kept all his fishing stuff in it. And it's just, I still have it, but I can't use it because it's too fragile, and I would take that on. But it's funny the things that we value, isn't it? Because that old bag's not worth any money. Like, you could, you could buy it on eBay for a fiver, but um, it's a treasured possession because my dad gave it to me. Well, yeah, it was bequeathed to me. And maybe you have something like this. Maybe you have things in your life that aren't worth that much money, but they're, they're really valuable to you. And in our passage this morning, Jesus is essentially asking us this question, what, what is it you value? What do you value? What, what a treasure to put it in Jesus' language. What do you treasure? And, and I think that we all kind of live in this tension because on one hand, we know that things like money and possessions and, and material things aren't that, really that valuable, and yet we all live to get them, don't we? This is the, the life that we live in. Even as I ask the question, what do you treasure? Maybe you think of something in your life that isn't worth that much money but is really valuable to you. But on the other hand, more often than not, we, we live our lives given much concern about money and possessions and, and comfort. Uh, I was thinking that life in, life in 2023 is a bit like an ongoing game of supermarket sweep. Do you remember supermarket sweep? I think it's, uh, I can't remember, Ryland, who does it now? It used to be Dale Winton. He's uh, passed away now. I don't know why I'm saying that, but he is. Uh, but supermarket sweep, you run around the supermarket and you're, the goal is just pile as much stuff into the trolley. More than the, the idea is to pile up more and more stuff uh, as you can. And this is how we are taught to live. This is what the world says. You're running through life, pulling things off the shelves to fill up your trolley so you can have more comfort and more um, prosperity and, and more security, grabbing a better job on the way around or a nicer car there or um, whatever it is that you find most attractive on the shelves. But Jesus is saying, there's a better way to live. There is a better way to live. You see, we are created to search for treasure. That's, that's in us. We're created to look for treasure, but the problem is that we put too much value in treasure that doesn't last. We tend to get up thinking that, that money and possessions and comfort are the most valuable things. But Jesus, when he's telling this parable and then speaking to his disciples, he, he addresses three different things. He addresses our desire for money and possessions. He addresses our um, anxiety about money and possessions and comfort. And then finally, he addresses our generosity with money and possessions. Three lessons, if you like, from the Lord about money and stuff. Money and stuff. I'll just say right at the start that this was a very challenging one for me this week. And the first lesson we see is don't treasure money and possessions. Don't treasure money and possessions. I'm going to read verses 13 to 15 again, just the start of this conversation he has. Someone in the crowd said to him, said to Jesus, teacher, tell brother to divide the inheritance with me. 
That's a, a conversation I have with my children all the time. Daddy, tell him to stop doing that or whatever it may be. But Jesus says, verse 14, man, who made me a judge and arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now remember, Jesus is in front of this big, thousands of people are coming to see him. It even said a few verses before that people are climbing over each other to, to hear Jesus and see Jesus. And this one guy steps out from the crowd and he demands that Jesus tell his brother to divide his inheritance with him. Now in those days, remember, it would, it would usually be the oldest son that got everything. The oldest son would get everything that the father left behind. And, and his, this, this guy just wants what he sees, a fair share. But Jesus doesn't even enter the conversation. Jesus refuses to take sides. And, and he sees this opportunity to, to speak to the issue of how we view what God blesses us with, what God gives to us, what resources he has. And he's saying, listen, you're too concerned about the wrong thing here. You've been, stand, you've been standing here listening to me preaching about religion and hypocrisy and God's coming judgment, and you're asking me about money? Like, are you paying attention? You're, you're far too concerned about the wrong things. And so he says, take care in your guard. This is, it's literally the way it's written in the original language. It's an ongoing, continual vigilance against being too concerned about wealth and possessions. And I think what he says here in, in verse 15 is it's probably one of the most applicable sentences to, to our society, to our church, to us as individuals today. Listen to what Jesus says here. He says, one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. One's life does not consist in the abundance of one's possessions. Uh, if you've ever read the, the message version of the Bible, Eugene Peterson, um, he translated this verse so well, and he says it this way. He says, life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. Life is not defined by what you have. How much do we need to be reminded of this? How much do I need to be reminded of this? Life is, isn't about how much money is in your bank. It's, it's not how nice your house is. It's not uh, your car or your clothes. Life is not about how comfortable you are, how financially secure you are. Life is not defined by money and stuff. And yet so often we live like it is, don't we? Just like the guy Jesus is talking to here, we're too concerned about the wrong things. We're going to Jesus saying, tell him to divide the inheritance with me or, or, or give, me, give me more of that or give me this house or whatever it may be. And even though we know Jesus and we know what God says about wealth and we, and we know that this life isn't all that there is, that we, we cling on to what we have so tight. It's running around trying to fill our trolleys with more and more, aren't we, all the time. But life is not defined by something far better. And Jesus tells this parable uh, to make his point. He, it, Jesus always does this. He uses stories to kind of illustrate. And, and I love that because I reso like stories resonate with me. Uh, verses, verse 16, he says, And then he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful, plenty. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. 
important to note that Jesus isn't warning against having wealth. Rather, he's warning about our attitude towards wealth. It's not wrong in and of itself to have money and stuff, but it's our attitude towards money and stuff that we need to be careful of. The man in the story, he didn't do anything wrong to get all this kind of bumper crop. In fact, Jesus says it was the land that produced plentifully. He just planted his crops, and then the Lord produced a big harvest. But his, what was wrong was, was how he then viewed what God gave to him. And this is the first challenge in the story. As we think about not storing up treasure, or not, not, not treasure and money and possessions, we need to have the right attitude to what God gives us. It's our attitude that we need to be careful of. Think about this man and his self-focused view. He's, God has given him this big, massive harvest. And what does he say? He says, my crops, I will do this. I will tear down my barns. I will store my crops, my good, my soul. God, God has provided him this amazing harvest. And all he sees is his comfort and ease of life. He doesn't feel any concern or responsibility for anybody else. He doesn't see the blessing that God has given him as an opportunity to bless others. It's not the wealth that Jesus has an issue with. It's, it's his attitude towards wealth. Because this is the essence of greed, right? The essence of greed is not just about storing up what you have and, and, and getting more and more things. The essence of greed is actually this. It's keeping the material blessings that God brings into your life all to yourself. That's what greed is. It's, it's all the material things that God brings into your life and just saying, this is mine. And God gave man an opportunity to, to bless and serve others, but instead he's just like self-centered. He, he thinks, well, I'm all set now. Get the builders in, build a big barn, and then I'm kicking back, relax. I'm, I'm retired now. I'm just going to enjoy it. But we know from the end of the story that, that what the man thinks is self-comfort. Actually, isn't that interesting? Having all this wealth set aside and just enjoying it without any consideration, it's actually destructive. It's the same for us because actually the world tells us that, that being self-centered is, is actually a good thing, that it's self-preservation, self-care, like you deserve it, go on, treat, treat yourself, you know, like get as much stuff as you can, like make, retire as early as you can, focus on yourself, that's, that's actually the goal of life, self, that's self-preservation, man, but it's not, it's self-destruction. It might be for a while, right? You might actually have a nice comfortable life for a while, but ultimately, it will lead to And the thing about us is that in our day, you don't have to be a multimillionaire to be wealthy. By any standard in history, and actually by, even with Caitlin's report there, by, any, by lots of standards across the world, we are some of the wealthiest people that have ever lived. Our standard of living and, our, and just being in this country, what it does, it opens up options for so we get to decide, I want to follow my dreams. I, I, I'm going to do this for my benefit. I'm going to use my resources in the way that I choose. There's a temptation to use the goods that God gives us in ways that don't honor him. And the danger is that the world around us, it just kind of reaffirms that. That's already in our hearts. It just feeds that temptation and that desire for, for money and possessions and comfort. We're all just tempted to go around and keep filling up the trolley with more and more stuff. And, and the world is cheering us on as we do it, saying, good for you, keep going. 
And, and it probably never even crosses our minds that we have a choice in this. You just kind of grow up in this race of, I've got to get as much education as possible, and then I've got to do as well as I possibly can in my job so that I can be as comfortable as possible, and maybe so my kids someday can be as comfortable as possible. And that's kind of about the scope of our thinking, really. But Jesus says there's a different, more eternal, better way. He's not condemning wealth, but he is condemning the use of wealth in selfish ways. It's our attitude towards what gives us and, and how he has blessed us that we need to be careful of. No material things last forever. And that's the second challenge that Jesus gives in the parable. The second challenge is this, thinking that this life is all there is. Verse 20 to 21. This guy said, I'm just going to kick back, relax, eat, drink, be merry. And then God shows up. Verse 20, and God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. You see the, see the contrast between what the man says to his own soul and what God says to him? He says, I will store up all my wealth and just kick and enjoy myself. And God says, you're a fool. Nobody likes being called foolish, do they? But, but Jesus doesn't worry about offending people. <laughs> do you ever notice that about Jesus? He doesn't really worry. He's not like very PC when it comes to stuff like this. He doesn't worry about offending people when, when their eternal soul is in the balance. That's the thing. And then this word fool, it's, it's, Jesus is kind of going Old Testament on them. <laughs> the, the word fool in the Old Testament is describe somebody that acts without God. Describe somebody who acts in ways that aren't wise and are self-destructive. And this is what this man is doing. His attitude towards what God has blessed him with is foolish. And he's filled because he's treating this life like this is all there is. But soon he gets a stark reminder that this life is only temporary. His soul is required of him. And, and that's just a way of saying that, that his life on earth is over and his soul is the thing that he's going to take with him. Now, I grew up in the country and we didn't have much money. And you'd always hear people saying, well, you can't take it with you, which means you can't take it with you. Okay, For all the Belfast people, Liam, that's a translation from country speak just for you. You can't take it with you. And I used to think that was just something that people that didn't have much money said to make themselves feel better about the fact that they didn't have much money. But it turns out it's actually what Jesus says. You can't take it with you. Your soul one day will be required of you. And on that day, we will fully realize that our soul is the only thing that we will take into the next life. And listen, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking this is such an important lesson for us. We are mostly a church made up of, of people on the younger end of the scale. And maybe you think you've got your whole life ahead of you, and, and, and your focus is on your career or relationships or friendships, or even for some of us raising young kids, and these are good things, but we need to hear the Lord saying to us, what good are wealth and possessions in eternity, right? This is a lesson that's so important for us to learn as young people, as early as possible, because if we're not careful, we could end up like the man in the story. And our pursuit of money and stuff and comfort leave us empty in terms of being rich with God. Jesus says, if you're like this man, if you're laying up treasure for yourself, you're not rich towards God. Being rich to God is the phrase Jesus uses, and it just means seeing the blessings that he gives us in the way he sees them. 
and, and using the blessings he gives us in ways that honor him. And that this life isn't just a trolley dash. It's not just about our comfort and wealth. It's about seeing what God gives us as opportunities to bless others. And it's easy, it's so easy to fall into the trap of thinking that this life there is. I know because I stand up here every week and preach this stuff and I fall into this trap. This is what the world would tell us. The world says, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you may die. But God says, tomorrow you may die, so don't just eat, drink, and be merry. And honestly, I, I think that Jesus' teaching about money and possessions are more radical, far more countercultural than, than, than most other biblical teachings. Even probably teaching about sex and gender and marriage. This warning against greed and the call to use our resources for good and not our comfort is so foreign. And we're going to feel this. People will, we're foolish. But let me ask you, this is what God asked me this week. Would you rather people think you're foolish or God thinks you're foolish? What good is having your barns filled if your heart is empty? Jesus says, don't, don't treasure wealth and possessions. See those things for what they really are. Temporary blessings for our enjoyment, yes, but blessings that God gives us so we bless other people. So don't treasure money and stuff. Secondly then, um, the second lesson is trust God and pursue his kingdom. Trust God and pursue his kingdom. Jesus now turns to his disciples and has some teaching for them on the subject. So he's been talking to this guy in the crowd and now he actually says, I say I've got a word for you boys as well. And the summary of his teaching has two parts. Don't worry and seek the kingdom. So the first part is don't worry. The, the parable about the dangers of, of, of greed and, and storing up money and possessions and comfort, but this part is about worrying about those things. See, the disciples, they left everything to follow Jesus, and some of them had businesses. Like Simon Peter had a fleet of fishing boats that he ran with his family. And, and Matthew was a tax collector. And then they leave everything to go on this journey with Jesus, and suddenly they don't have jobs or income. And so Jesus probably at this point realizes they're the ones who are on the other side of the scale. They're worrying about money. And it's sometimes easy to think that sin around money and possessions is just something rich people struggle with. Believe me, it's not. The man in this story was rich, and, and maybe the disciples were thinking, well, well, look at us. We don't have two pennies to rub together, but, so we're off the hook. And then Jesus turns around and says, guys, I know these. Stop worrying about money. Stop worrying. He says, verse 22, I'm actually going to read a longer section here. He says, uh, and he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single or his span of life? If then you're not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And the first thing I want to say about this is, if you are in need, 
If, if you need help financially or you're struggling to put food in the table or buy clothes or pay the bills, then please let us know. Like, let your church family know. Uh, God most often uses his people to care for his people. Uh, that's been my experience. It's been through the generosity of brothers and sisters that God has provided for us when we were in need. And, and by asking for what you need, you're providing your brothers and sisters an opportunity to obey God and use the blessings God has given them to bless you. And so if you are in need, don't, don't hear this teaching about worrying about money as just a theoretical thing. God really loves you and God really will provide for you. And the, in the church family, he uses your brothers and sisters to do that, okay? That's the first thing I want to say. Because our Father really does care for us. Maybe you've forgotten that. You need to hear that this morning. Maybe, maybe you're not in the position of, of gathering up loads of money and stuff. But maybe you're in the position of worrying about money or food or clothes or in the car or putting petrol in the car. Well, listen to what the Lord Jesus is saying to you. We have a Father in heaven who is also the creator God and he owns all the resources in the universe and he cares for you. And so just like the warning to take care about being greedy was this kind of ongoing thing, this phrase that Jesus says to the disciples, do not be anxious, that's an ongoing continual thing too. It's about trusting God. Trust God, you know what we get? We, we get a contentment. We get an ongoing freedom from worrying about money and stuff because for us. And again, Jesus isn't saying that there's anything wrong with food and clothes in and of themselves. It's our attitude towards these things that we need to be careful of. He's saying, don't be overly distracted by these things, by your physical circumstances. Don't put too much stock on what you put into your body and what you put on your body. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying nice food and wearing nice clothes. But if we care about these things to the point that we're worried about them, then that's a problem. Jesus says, look at nature. Look at the ravens. They don't plant crops and have barns full of the harvest, and yet God cares for them. They don't work themselves to the bone and lie, lie awake at night worrying about where their money's coming from, and, and yet God feeds them. And if he feeds the birds and cares for them, how much more is he going to care for us? Look at the, the lilies. That's hard to say. Look at the lilies. <laughs> the flowers, right? The flowers don't spin and make clothes. They're not worrying about how to afford um, school uniforms, where it may be. They're, they're just cared for by God. Just do their thing and be lilies and praise God. And then God makes them the most beautiful thing in all creation. Not even the wealth of the mighty Solomon could achieve that level of beauty and glory. Look at the grass. Grass in the, in, in the Bible is a symbol of the temporary nature of life. Thrown into the oven. The grass was to get the fire going so they could cook the bread. And Jesus says, God even cares for the grass, which is here one day and gone the next. So how much more is he going to care for you? Here's what I realized. Jesus was talking about creation. Because Jesus was there when it was all made. He is the one by whom, through whom, and for whom all things that were made were made. God the Father is maker of all creation, and he deeply and intimately cares for all the animals, all the birds. He's holding it all together. He's making it all work. So how much more is he going to care for you? Because you are made in the image of God. The ravens aren't, the flowers aren't, the grass isn't. 
But we are made in the image of God. So, so if we bear the image of the living God, how much more is he going to care for us? Why do we worry? <laughs> Jesus says, don't worry. But then he kind of says, worrying's pointless, right? Pointless. Is it going to add anything onto your life? Jesus says, you can't, you can't add time onto your life. In fact, worrying takes time away. You, you just die of a heart attack or something if you're worrying all the time. Worrying takes away from your life. And listen, Jesus, if Jesus says worrying about our physical circumstances is pointless, why do we spend so much time doing it? And why do we spend so much time doing something that Jesus says is pointless? Our Father cares for us. He loves us and he will provide all that we need. And listen, some of you steak dinner. But in both those cases, God is providing our need. And the problem for us in, in our culture is that we, we tend to, what we do, we tend to upgrade our wants to be needs, don't we? We, we want a certain amount of money or a certain lifestyle or a certain job or whatever it may be. And, and if we don't get it, we, we start to doubt that God really cares for us. God never promised to give us everything we want. He, he promised to give us everything we need. And if we only gave our kids everything they wanted, <laughs> they, they, would, they would only eat chicken nuggets and sweets. They'd never have clothes that fit them, and they'd never go to Well, Finley probably would, but definitely Abigail would just be roaming the streets. But in the same way, our Father meets our needs because He knows our needs more than we know what we think we know we need, if you know what I mean. And if you, are, if you doubt that God cares for you, then maybe you need to ask if you've upgraded some of your wants to be needs. Because if you look at your life, you'll see that the Lord has provided everything you need. This is why Jesus says, you have little faith. He's not having a go at the disciples. He's pointing out this, that worry casts doubt on God's care. Worry casts doubt on God's care. And listen, something I've had to learn over the years is that Worrying about money is just as big a sin as being greedy with money. And here's why. Because when we're greedy and selfish with money, we're, we're, we're doubting who God is and we're misusing us with. But on the other hand, when we're worrying about money, we're casting doubt over whether God is going to do what he said he's going to do. But don't worry. That's the first part. The second is seek the kingdom. Verse 29. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek His kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock. I love that. Fear not, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. See, that the world... Um, when Jesus says the nations of the world, what he's really saying is these are like the pagans. These are the people outside of Israel. These are the people who have no knowledge of God. And what they do is they seek after all the money and the possession and gathering all this stuff. The world seeks only after money and stuff. That's all the world still has to offer us. What's the best the world can offer you? Money, stuff, and comfort. Maybe power. That's what the world can offer you. And, and, and don't know God go after but listen, we don't need to pursue these things because our Father knows 
that we need what we need. He knows we need food and clothes and shelter and all that kind of And so we can go after something of far greater value, the kingdom of God. We can stop running through life trying to fill up our trolley. We can stop worrying that, that, that what we have isn't enough because our treasure is of infinitely greater value. Our only concern should be seeking his kingdom, to pursue the kingdom of God, to live it here and now on earth, to live like the citizen, citizens of God's kingdom and members family. That's what it means to seek the kingdom of God, to live as citizens of his kingdom and members of his family. If you are a Christian, you're a citizen of God's kingdom. You're a member of his family. So pursue his kingdom. And here's the amazing thing. All these things will be added onto you. Not one person who has ever lived their life seeking the kingdom of God and, and using the blessings God gives them to bless others has ever doubted if God will provide for them because they see it. They see it turn up. God will take care of the rest. Seek the kingdom and all these things will be added onto you. And, and, and I know that maybe this is scary. Maybe it's a scary prospect that we would step faith and, and seek the kingdom because it's so ingrained into us that, that we have to seek comfort and, and money and stuff and, and that's the way to stability and that's the way to security. It's strange and scary to step out in faith and say, I'm not going to be worried about money. That's a decision, by the way. It's a decision not to be worried about money. It's a decision to say, I'm going to pursue the kingdom of God. I'm not going to be overly concerned if I get everything I want or not. Because <laughs> Jesus says, listen to this, he says, fear not, little flock. It is, our Father, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's your Father's good pleasure. It's his joy, it's his delight to give us the kingdom. He's not trying to keep anything back from us. He's saying, it's all yours, take it. I, I, I'm happy about you having this. So why is it that we keep striving for less? On Friday night, me and Haley went out for dinner and we had like a kind of money off voucher for a restaurant. Now, imagine somebody gives you a voucher for a nice restaurant and uh, all you have to do is you have to just step in through the doors and you're into a world of, of amazing food. But instead, you decide to stay out in the street with no money in your pocket scrounging for food. See, see, that's a Christian and keep worrying about money and keep worrying about if you're going to be provided for because it is our Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. So he says, let's pursue it, pursue the kingdom, seek the kingdom first, value his values first. And then all these things will be taken care of. Fear not, Jesus says. This is the life he's calling us to. He wants you to lay down your fear, your anxiety. No wonder that Jesus says we're to have faith like little children. I think about my children. They don't worry about money or clothes. They just show up at the table at dinner time and there's something on the table. Sometimes it is just beans and toast. Sometimes their granny takes them out and spoils them. So Jesus says, fear not, flock. And here's the lesson. When our treasure is in heaven, we have nothing to fear. I See, I need to be reminded of that all the time because I just slip into fear and worry all the time. I need this correction. I need this reminder. When we're pursuing the kingdom of God, we don't have to worry about our physical circumstances. Finally then, we've seen don't, don't treasure money and possessions. Trust God and pursue his kingdom. And finally, 
Be generous with what God gives you. This is the final part of Jesus' teaching to disciples. Verse 33 says, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart be also. And the message is pretty simple. If we don't need to worry because God cares for us, and if, if our priority is seeking the kingdom, then we can be and should be freely and sacrificially generous with what God gives us. Jesus says, sell your possessions. Is Jesus saying, go out and literally sell what you own? Maybe. Maybe. You need to ask yourself that question, Lord, are you telling me to go and sell what I have? Because some of us, like the rich young man who came to Jesus, his money and his stuff were his idols, and Jesus says, listen, you need to get rid of all that. Jesus is saying, give up this hold that your stuff has on your life. Give up seeing what you call yours as if it is your own private possessions. Everything we have comes from God and belongs to Him. And until we start seeing our, and our possessions that way, we're going to struggle to be generous. We're, we're going to feel a, 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 like that wrench every time we, an opportunity comes to give. We're going to be stingy towards the church. We're going to be stingy to the, towards those. Because we'll either be selfish and think that it's all mine, or we'll be too worried that we don't have enough. You can't let think that worrying about not having to stop you from being generous. The call is, the call to pursue the kingdom is be generous with whatever God has given you. And that means that some of you will be able to give a lot, and some of you won't be able to give as much, but the heart is the same. Be generous with whatever God gives you. And I do, I do think this. I, I think it for myself and I think it for us as a church that Jesus is, is, is asking us to re-examine our hearts, to reprioritize, to just pray, Lord, look, my resources are not mine, they're yours, and so show me how to use them for your glory. What would it look like if we genuinely all prayed that prayer to, to actually just say, Lord, Show me how I can use what you've given me for your good of others. Because the thing is, we tend to, we, we respond really positively to Jesus saying, don't worry, I care for you. We're like, yes, Lord, don't worry, you care for us. But then on the other side of the coin, the same breath, he says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. And we go, what? <laughs> but the thing is, we can't separate them. You can't separate you can't separate not worrying and generosity because God wants his disciples to trust in his care and use what he gives us for the good of others, to help others. And here's the amazing thing about this. It's when we are being generous and giving away what God gives to us that that's when we'll really see him provide for us. I think that family in Sierra Leone that has like four kids or students living with them, you think they... They don't think God is providing for them. They give of themselves and, and they feel God's blessing. They, they see God providing for them. This is what Jesus says. Seek the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. Your father knows your needs. Jesus says, fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Um, this passage should inspire us to, to greater levels of generosity and giving. You see, when we do the food bank collection, building should be full of donations of food for those guys. Or one of our missionaries, Caitlin, 
ask for support, we should be bashing down her door to make sure she has everything she needs. And listen, I would say this, if you feel a Holy Spirit convicting you, maybe you don't know what that feels like, um, if you're feeling uncomfortable right now, don't shrug it off. Don't ignore it. If you're someone who is tempted to place too much value in money and stuff, like, like me, and comfort that, just hear Jesus saying, don't, don't be rich in the world. There's not here to be rich in God. That's what Jesus is saying. It's an invitation. Or if you're someone on the other hand who's here, Jesus saying to you, fear not, it is your Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. And then allow him to do that work of, of reorientating our hearts and our priorities. Go home and look at your finances and ask him to make you generous. Ask him to show you ways that you can use what he has blessed with you with to bless others. Because we have a Father who cares for us. And the only, the only treasure worth pursuing is the kingdom of God. Because you can't take anything else with you. So let's stop worrying. Let's seek the kingdom and let's be generous to others. Come Holy Spirit, let, let me pray for us. Jesus, we want to thank you for your words that are as true now as they were 2,000 years ago when you spoke them. We want to thank you for this loving challenge that you've given us this morning. We do repent and confess that, that we put too much value on money and possessions, either by being greedy or selfish or by worrying. Father, there's so much freedom in the way that you offer us, in the way of seeking the kingdom. I pray that you would turn us, the church family, into the most radically generous people. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't see anything that you give us as ours, but see it as yours to be used for the good of other people, for those in need and the advancement of your kingdom, Lord. Thank you for how practical the gospel is. Thank you that it affects every area of our lives. Um, Father, make us people that don't hold back, that don't try to stop you from getting at any part of our lives. Lord, we know it's not easy to talk about money and we know it's a sensitive state, Lord, but you spoke about it and I do believe you're challenging us as a church and you're encouraging us as a church and you have a better way for us as a church. So help us, Lord, receive your word this morning. And Lord, when we come to your table now, Will we just be reminded of your generosity and gospel through the death of Jesus, through what you've given us. We pray these things for his glory and for our joy. Amen.